Welcome back, kids, to the Comics and Pop-Tarts podcast channel. Your host, Limitless Mike. Thank you guys for coming back. Huge guest tonight. Rhymes with bullets and blood. Maybe that's the title of the book. More bites, more bullets. Monty, Michael Moore, everybody. Hey, what's going on? Not too much, man. Congratulations on all the success you're having out there in Vegas. How's uh, how's it been, other than incredible? Uh, like, literally record breaking paradigm shifting success with the Western art. I'm, I'm pretty floored. I saw a picture with you and Arnold Schwarzenegger the other day. That must've been really cool. That was, that was super badass. I've never, uh, uh, never gotten a chance to meet him. And every so often when you're at these shows, you know, whether it's usually it's a pop culture show, you know, it's Comic-Con where you'll be like, Oh man, that's Samuel Jackson. Or, you know, there's, you know, uh, all these different ex- you know, uh, actors that you get to meet. But when my buddy came walking up and he's like, Hey money, you know, this is Arnold. And I was like, Holy crap. You know, <laughs> cool. and he took my card and he asked me about my originals and stuff and, uh, showed him a little bit of art in one of my, uh, art books. And, and, uh, he hung out for a couple of minutes. So it was pretty darn sweet, man. That's, that's gotta be amazing. Like first you're like, who Arnold Arnold from like the Nickelodeon show. Oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, I won't be right back. Tell him to come here. <laughs> right. And, you know, it was funny because even when I take a picture, I took a picture with him. I was like, in my brain, I'm thinking, I thought you'd be taller. Of course, when I look at him in the, when I look at him in the picture, he's definitely taller than me, but I'm only like five, seven, five, eight. So he's like, you know, I don't know, maybe six foot ish. Right. You know, you know, the sad truth of that is because I, I used to have that same, uh, that same kind of perspective when it came to like pro wrestling. But after going to like, I think every every TNA show that came to the coast, it was like got to meet Jeff Hardy, got to meet Shark Boy, got to meet Mick Foley, met Ric Flair. These guys ain't but like you know around the six foot range. Looks looking in the mirror, I'm like I could do this. <laughs> <laughs> TV makes everybody look so much bigger. You know, back in the day, Arnold man, Arnold was he was in his prime. Man, Arnold was a was a Mac two fifty. Like oh yeah, you look at him in Predator, and you know he's a tank. Oh you know oh man it's such a take <laughs> uh, that that was such that was such a cool moment for you i was, I was super happy kev was like he sent it to me he was like hey guess who this is <laughs> and I was, I was like i put it in quotes i was like i'll be right back and he was like okay right? i was like no wait i meant i like that's how I, I know i'm quoting the movie he's like oh, right because <laughs> <laughs> it's almost i almost didn't recognize him with the mask on i was like is that well it's true you was, kind of gotta look at the eyes and go yeah oh well that's him yeah yeah it's and all it's nice and as soon as he said, you know, because they stuck my hangout and he's like, oh, nice to meet you. You know, and I'm like, oh, shit, that's definitely him. Like, I know that voice. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> nice to meet you. I love your work. Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so uh, from politician to actor to art, art, art extraordinaire, he was really interested in your originals. Yeah, he actually asked if I sold the, you know, the stagecoach originals, which were behind me, which are kind of some of my higher dollar pieces right and, uh you know i sh- i shot him a price of what you know it's published at. i didn't be like well for you it's so and so because they were priced at, at fifteen thousand dollars because there's you know like 80 hours in one drawing and they're super crazy detailed and you know you don't see people drawing you know super detailed stuff of that subject matter so it, it's oh, kind no. of become a big seller for me and uh, he did not buy it, but then, believe it or not, about an hour later, totally separate, I did sell one of them. Oh, and wow. so I have three that I've done over the last three or four years. So to sort of vindicate the work and the price and the sale, you know, you could, you know, like I said, you kind of knocked me over with a with a, a spoon. That's kind of funny, though. It's like, it's like, well, in your world, Mr. Arnold. You are Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator. In my world, I'm Monty Michael Moore, the guy who drives <laughs> nothing but Western stuff. So this is my price. So, and I know you can afford it. No well, that, you know, in your brain, you're kind of thinking, dude, just dropping a bucket is like lunch money for you. Right. You know? <laughs> it, it, it really is, man. Compared to all the, you know, the Expendables movies he did, he was in, uh, I think, the GI Joe Retaliation movie. I think he had a small role in that. And then uh, the escape movies he did, uh, those were pretty awesome. Yeah, all, all the, of those. Yeah, those yep. were awesome movies. Uh, him and St- Sylvester Stallone, even though they don't really get along, they do some amazing on-screen things. Yeah. 
It, it's, it was really wonderful, man. But um, I just got I just got done rereading Bullets, uh, Blood, Blood and Bullets. Bullets. Yeah, yeah, Blood and Bullets one, and uh, I am like even more of a fan than I was the first time I read. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm like my my favorite character is Blackbird, man. Like right. Man, I don't like uh, even with the the broken English, which is super truly genuine to like kind of how Native American speakers and speakers from other countries come here to the country and try to learn English. And it was it was like most people like in in the world of grammar Nazis, they would be like, well, you know, if you're doing a comic or you know film, like let them handle that. When you're just writing it down, just just make it regular English. But like I was reading it, it was just like it just flows so smoothly. It's like you left out certain prepositions and stuff, and I was just like, "Yeah, it's on the money." That that's about right. Like that's about how one would sound. And I tried to do that in one for college, and the professor just totally grammar Nazi me. He just like blew up right. my stuff. He's like, "That's kind of offensive." I'm like, "I'm trying to be distinguishable. Like simple people understand the rhetoric." <laughs> I mean, right? When you've grown, when you've grown up in some of the, the um. Uh, Gulf Southern neighborhoods and and worked with a lot of these people in the swamps of Louisiana and grown up in the middle schools of, of Vegas like I have. I mean, this is how kind of how people speak on the daily anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just broken yep. English and and a lot of uh, a lot of um, urban dictionary type uh, type slang words. Yeah, uh, and the thing is, is you know, I want it to feel natural, and I don't want to have to edit you know my work for the the pc world that we live in today right and even though we might struggle with saying oh well would you uh would you use a word like squaw well it's like well okay we grew up and that was a term that a, a white man might have used for uh you know what we would say a native american woman today but right. you know back then um but uh i i am trying to make her character look like someone who was trying to fit in in the the world that she chose to be in she obviously fell in love with uh the character of holden and married him and he's a a white man who had two kids whose wife died and uh i you know i don't set out with an agenda i just enjoy writing good stories right and so i like it when i hear that something resonates or uh if you the way that i also write the volska's characters is also similar because these aren't native speaking English characters they're supposed to be from Romania right. so you also see stilted language in the way that they're written as well as opposed to saying oh well, this is uh, translated from Romanian right well, they're speaking English to other people right. and these are also it's no hidden thing that in the story they're yeah. vampires and so you think well they, they've probably been around a really long time they probably know a lot of languages <laughs> Oh, yeah. And she's like super, super like they're like crazy uh, anxiety about the way they like feed and stuff. Like, don't bite that person. We don't want to make somebody who's not going to follow our code. Right. And I try and I leave some of it ambiguous as well. Uh, it, it, it's also a, a vampire story mm -hmm. that the word vampires never once used. Right. Because it doesn't, there's not a description for it. Like people would think, well, you're just a, a, a monster or a, you're a human vampire bat or something. So, uh, <laughs> you know, the, there's not a, there's not a need to have that language or to have a bunch of uh, expose on it. There's a little bit that comes out that you're going to see and read more about it in issue number two, where of course there's more revealed because uh, this next issue wraps up this whole full story arc so blood and bullets number one and two is the graphic novel interpretation of my hundred page screenplay which right. has been optioned three times and so i broke it into two halves and then i had it you know uh my artist turn it into a graphic novel so that i can art direct it and still be doing all of the art uh that i want to do but i'm not a sequential artist by trade and i'm right. not near fast enough so right now, you know, I'm publishing my fourth graphic novel in a year. And believe it or not, I have eight in the works. Oh, with okay. Various artists around the world. And those projects range from like grisly occult horror to steampunk, sci-fi, oh, nice. uh, fantasy, um, super, well, there's a superhero one in the works, uh, 
There's an uh, there's a werewolf one called uh, Frostbite. That's the X Games meets the Howling. Oh, that ought to be interesting. <laughs> yep. We've <laughs> uh, um, been a fan of X Games for a long time. <laughs> right. So you know, you know, picture era, you know, people trying to defend themselves uh, from a werewolf coming after them, but you know, cutting the head off of one with their snowboard or their skis. Oh, that's that's <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> That would make for a really good, uh, really good horror flick. Like, we don't have any weapons. Use your snowboard. Exactly. <laughs> it's got an edge on it. <laughs> oh man, that that's that's awesome, man. So like every every pretty much every mainstream genre you got you got your fingers yeah. in right now. That's that's pretty impressive. And and to say graphic novels to the term comics that you've done this year, four of them. That's that's even more impressive because yeah, and each one of them has been uh, forty eight pages or more, and then. My next book, which will be coming out this next spring, which is called The Midnight Cafe, it's probably going to end up being more like a 60 or 70 pager. And oh, wow. it's a it's a dark anthology kind of uh, um, amazing tales, tales from the crypt, uh, Twilight Zone. Right. And it has three stories in it, a, a sci-fi, a Sasquatch story and a Halloween story. Oh, wow. And, and uh, they'll each be around 18 to 20 pages each. So it's almost like three comics inside one. That's awesome, man. So, yeah. so that, that kind of wraps up the, the end of that episode. I'm just playing. <laughs> I, usually <laughs> get to the, I usually get to like, what's next for you at the towards the end. But uh, you just kind of knocked it out the park there for me. Oh, well, now, I have more. I have more going on. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you do. But we want to we want to save some bread and butter for the audience. You know, you, you don't want to get away like, oh, yeah, I'll purchase it when it comes out. We know my name. Uncle Moore is doing that stuff. Like I'm a Monty Adic. It's like I'll, I'll just check the channels. No, we, we want to build up some marketing buzz and give you some momentum. So we'll save that stuff for later. Okay. Uh, snowboards taking off the heads of werewolves. That's good enough for me. There you go. <laughs> uh, like, like, could you imagine all the cool uh, end of the world Armageddon type uh, makeshift weapons you can use using hockey gear, snowboards and skiing oh, yeah. stuff? I mean, God, if you just walk in one of those stores on the mountains, be like, if I got stuck in a zombie apocalypse right now or a werewolf invasion, this is where I want to be. <laughs> like you can make ho homemade harpoons out of canoes with, uh, with uh, skiing sticks. <laughs> Oh yeah, the sky's the limits, man. That's that's so awesome. But yeah, man, Blackbird's Blackbird's my favorite character. I'm 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 like ten percent um, Blackfoot on like my mom's side. Oh wow, I've always had this um because because I'm fifty percent Italian and a lot of the Italian genes have mixed with a lot of South American right. South American genes and those two types of people were traveling overseas. Um, before the the Vikings even got there, you know, back when the the continents were connected using land bridges. Yep. Um, so I've always had a deep, uh, a deep respect for the Native American culture and their spiritualism, especially like the peyote, uh, the peyote, uh, take your journeys into the spirit world man walks. Yep. Uh, I've always been a fan of those. And, and uh, Nightwolf was one of my favorite characters on uh, Mortal Kombat. Oh, wow. Nice. Uh, dude, I, I love the character. Maybe it's just I'm like inclined to the hatchet over a sword because yep. of like the design and the work and the way you can wield it just it takes a lot more skill than an effortless swing of the sword it's it's, it's been a it's been a it's been a coup de gras man but it was an amazing first issue and a very very awesome second read um going into the characters i know you've talked about this being like a screenplay and it's been optioned several times like how come it hasn't come to be yet, man? Because when we talked about this on Kevin's uh, Kevin's Comic Rottery uh, podcast, uh, you know, a few weeks ago about Blood Blood and Bullets too, um, we had we had spoken about this, and I was like, man, this is like um, this is like John Wick had a baby with, uh, oh man, what's that? What's that girl's name? The 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 Van Helsing chick on Netflix. I was like, oh, this is just yep. like vampiric female protagonist gold like how come nobody's bought any of this like i want to see this now like i need to i need to start is it still an option i mean is it still shopping no so um the when i got my rights back and this is quite a few years ago that's when i started the project as the graphic novel right so that you know i wasn't I don't know, doing everybody else's work for them. And the right. producer that had an option, she has made several films since then. And these are, um, you know, smaller indie films for streaming and Hallmark channels and Lifetime and stuff like that. Right. Um, and um, 
I'm actively starting to, <coughs> excuse me, market my screenplays and my graphic novels and stuff now that I have the sort of printed version in hand because it gives my IPs a lot more clout right? to be fully published. And so uh, that's my eventual goal uh, is to now say, oh, great. Well, here's the screenplay and here's a link to my 96 page fully published in color <laughs> interpretation of the screenplay. And like, shit, the whole thing storyboarded. This is great. <laughs> Right. You know, right. whoever and, uh, you hire to write this is going to have an awesome time adapting it because it's like already there. <laughs> right. Yeah. And you hopefully they wouldn't need anybody to do it because usually when you're adapting something, it's because it's not written in a screenplay. But uh, right. a lot of times you can expect, especially if you're a lesser known writer like I would be, that certainly if a big company came yeah. in, they said, we're buying your script. They would give it to a Hollywood scriptwriter and say, Hey, you know, here's X amount of dollars to a polished pass. And, you know, they would change and, and revisit dialogue and whatnot. Uh, and you would still usually get full credit as the writer and your payment and stuff. But there's a lot of writers out there that go uncredited that oh, you know, pay, pay to polish things like, uh, you know, the Snyder cut and things like that. So. Oh god! <laughs> it's not even jumping to that, point. right? <laughs> but you know, you know what good... I'm saying. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, so. definitely, man. The, the, there is so much that goes unread as far as written goes that the the audience never gets to see, and then all those all those poor souls like me who get the who get to read everything and then like do stuff on it, but never get the credit work. Um, when I was doing internship with uh with smart media last year, I, I got to work on several uh, un, un, unannounced projects that I know that are coming. One, one of them is a comic book series coming through scout. And I still can't talk to it cause I'm still under NDA, but uh, it, it was an awesome science fiction. And it's an amazing story. And I got to, I got to put in my, my two cents. I kind of got to know the process, but that's kind of the currency when you're an, an, an unknown writer and an unknown worker in the industry. It's like, so you get to witness some of this stuff. We're going to give you some skills and we're going to let you sharpen your, your, your teeth on, uh, on these by giving, you know, feedback. And then we're going to talk about how well you, or how horrible you did afterward. And I'm just like, I'm just waiting for all this stuff to come out. So I can be like, I, I worked on that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't take a big part of it, but I was a part of it. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel fortunate that on the work that I'm getting to do on the Mandalorian art that, um, I'm actually being credited as the artist because uh, a lot of times for bigger companies and IPs, um, you might work on it, uh, whether it's, you know, video game or whatnot. Right. And, you know, a lot of times you just, you can say, yeah, hey, I worked on that. I got paid. But, but oftentimes you either go uncredited or you're just kind of part of like a, a studio effort, right? There's a whole bunch of people doing different things right. or you're rolling credits at the end as opposed to saying, now, Monty did this and Frank did that, and Bob this. So with my Mandalorian art coming out with my name on it is a really nice feather in the cap because it's kind of a rarity. Oh, hell yeah, man. And then they're doing they're doing all these other things. You got the Kenobi series coming out soon. Uh, yeah. Doing one on Alderaan, not not Elderon, Alderaan, which is a, a different spinoff series. They're doing the Ahsoka series. Uh, yeah, which, there, and there's I, a whole lot of stuff coming. Oh man, it's 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 going to be really awesome for your for your production studio. Yeah, um, yeah, I probably will be busy enough with the stuff I'm doing. I doubt I'd have the bandwidth to work on a lot of those others. Or they'll do what they did with me. If they're Thomas Kincaid, they'll find an artist who will do that series. So right. right now I'm the exclusive artist for the Mandalorian, which is awesome. And I'm fine with that. Um, but you know, there's part of me that's like, Oh man, bummer. I'm not going to be able to do Kenobi because they're like, Hey, you're busy. <laughs> <laughs> you could always, you could always throw it in there. Like, Hey, I'll, I'll oh, do I the did. Yeah, a Mandalorian. If you throw uh, me at least uh, you know, a few projects for Kenobi. Cause I'm, <laughs> yeah, I, I tried that. It, it didn't seem to go anywhere. <laughs> Ouch. Man, those, no, but, the, those... but the cool part is, is that um, I'm, I am the reason why I'm sort of busy with that is not only just Mandalorian, but I'm actually going to be doing kind of my own series of art from the classic trilogy. So it's not just going to be Mando. So you're going to start seeing some art that's all, you know, classic trilogy characters, which I'm super stoked about. Oh, wow. From like uh, like uh, um, the um, New Hope. Empire, Return, Jedi Empire. And, and New Hope. Yeah. 
That's awesome, man. Um, nostalgia sells. And yep. damn it, Lucasfilms and, and Marvel Studios and Disney, they know that. Yep. Because they know. Well, all- you know, the people who are buying art, whether it's for their kids or not, you know, their younger kids, sure, they might be buying, you know, Grogu and that sort of thing for them. But they see a piece they love with, you know, Vader or Tauntauns and, you know, Luke and Leia. They're like, well, yeah, I'm 55. But, you know, I was eight when I saw that. <laughs> I wonder how nostalgia is going to be in about, you know, 40 years from now when a lot of that generation's done, you know, passed on. I know that's a sad and somber topic, but there'll be very few artists who are actually doing traditional art. Yeah, it'll be be 90 percent of the art in the world. Ninety five probably will be all digital. It'll be NFTs and digital and on screen and projectors and holograms. And somebody will go, oh, my God, my uncle has a painting. A real painting. <laughs> <laughs> and man, the new norm is uh, people coming over to other people's houses to look at drawings of right. pencils from old pages. Like, like what do you mean? Remember when people did pencil. <laughs> oh, that, that's so horrible. I, I apologize for making you feel that old. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm, I, I'm, I'm the one that sees the writing on the wall. I need to sell art while the haze, the, you know, the sun's still shining because about 30 years, uh, nobody might care. Or I'll be a dinosaur, one of the two. A dinosaur. <laughs> well, hopefully your hands are still working because right. the 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 Lord knows quite literally they they run through them while you're drawing. So I mean yep. that, that's how beautiful I think the stuff that you do is. Thank you. Uh, oh man, no problem. Then and, and and everybody should feel that way. So you said you said that part two, which I'm really sad about, is the end of an era but i don't feel like that's the end of course i'm a story guy and i'm like brand new to all this 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 industry and so i've got ideas i write down every day i think my google docs is like 96 pages and nothing but like a paragraph concept so you can imagine how many yeah there. i've got <laughs> excuse me my uh yeah when i go to my folder that i just call stories film comics <laughs> you know, there's like 57, you know, folders in there. And some of them, when you open, it's just a word doc with like a paragraph or two of an idea, you know, and I'm like, what the hell was this one? And then I open it and I read <laughs> it. And it was just like a nutshell. It might be an idea I wrote down in the middle of the night or, you know, while traveling. And then later on, it's fleshed into something. Um, but with Blood and Bullets, um, my goal is to continue both Blood and Bullets and Loco Hero right. as ongoing series. Oh, that's so awesome to hear. But it just, these two, these two first issues finish out their first arc. Okay. Um, and I kind of, uh, a lot of the other projects that I have planned are mostly one shots. Uh, uh, and so, uh, for example, the Book of Mark, which is an occult horror about demonic possession, you know, that's again, that's based on a screenplay, but rather than breaking it into two graphic mm-hmm. novels, it's probably going to be like a one shot 80 pager. Wow. Uh, and so the um, woman who is illustrating the entire thing is in France and she's already up to like page 40. Oh, wow. So and like- she's she's drawing, inking, coloring. Ooh, yeah. That's a lot to take on for. That's, that's yeah, three, she's, she's cranking it. She's only been working on it like six months. Uh, well, I mean, we all know you got the dough to front that, so I'm sure she's happy to like continuously work on that. I don't know the the currency the currency exchange is it more or is it less? Uh, well, I don't. <laughs> I, I I just I I pay my rate. I know what it is and whatever it comes out in, in their world, it comes out in. But you know, I've mostly the last two years I've just reinvested the funds from my kickstarters to other artists, and so I'm sort of keeping it in the family right? Uh, by saying, Oh, okay. Well I had this uh, local hero Kickstarter that was successful. And even if you only have maybe like 10 or 15,000 in profit, even if you raise 50, your, your overhead and your costs is, is easily two thirds. People don't think that they think you're, you know, making a ton of money off it, but you're like, well, you're going to pay your artists and your creative. You're going to spend eight to 10,000 and just that. Then you're right. going to spend, eight to 10,000 in printing. Then you're going to spend eight to 10,000 in shipping and swag. So there's not, you know, there's not a ton of money left over, but if I take that and say, I, this is, you know, talking numbers, but say I had, I made 10 or 15,000 in profit and it cost me about eight grand to 
have a graphic novel illustrated for my colors to my penciler, then I can put that money to work and have two projects going simultaneously rather than putting it in my pocket. So right. I just I just put it to work back out in the world and I'm helping the industry and other artists who I respect. Right. And so uh, I get to I get to put on the publisher writer hat instead of you know my artist hat. That's that's actually a really smart way to do it. So that's kind of like what I'm doing with my first book. I'm, I'm fronting all the cash up front for the first issue, and I'm hoping yep. that it it does fifty percent or more, even thirty percent. Then I could just put that into the next book and roll that over into the yep, next. Yep, that's book. exactly what I do. If I make extra, then you know, get a better artist or get a get a get a new variant cover or get exactly pinups or you know, get better rewards. You know, because mm -hmm. the only thing that matters to me, as far as comics goes, is to make a great story and to publish something. Yep. Like, like adding to my resume so that I could get bigger jobs down the line with, you know, other companies is my, my main goal is to become an independent freelance writer or, or a, a stable writer for, you know, a television series or a company like IDW sure. or some, yep. something else. Exactly. And that's way to do it as an independent creator. So, you know, go ahead and front all the cash out for your first book and then roll the fun. Just want to just keep going for as long as you can until uh until it you know until it comes out i mean unless you have the dough to fund it every time which is a different story which isn't the story for a lot of creators but uh but you, you have a studio to run too so you have studio expenses so you have other stuff that you know even if you could pocket it you, you're still spending on like supplies and then there's production time and then there's everybody else you pay who works for you with you um, yeah right now i just only have one person uh josh Andrews, who works with me in a studio, he's kind of my studio manager. And so, you know, we're like a two-man team. So if it's he and I go into a show, right. uh, he helps me build the Kickstarters. He helps build websites, uh, fulfillment and shipping. Uh, now, when we do our, our big shipping from the campaigns, we do have fulfillment uh, that comes from, uh, you know, one or two different fulfillment partners so that I don't have to ship out 600 projects. But I did like on the last project, uh, Local Hero, I flew down to Arizona for four hours and I signed 3000 comic books and I flew home in one day. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it wasn't like private jet or anything. It was like Southwest with everybody yeah, else. Yeah. But yeah, it's like, know, like Lexi to Florida. It's like 40. So like, fortunately for me, it's only like an hour and a half flight from Denver to Arizona where my printer was. Okay. That's, 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 that's really good. In the same day though, that's, that's kind of impressive. Yeah. Well, I, I had to ship I had books I, to you and then go all the way over there. Probably be more expensive than a plane ticket round trip back and forth. Yeah. I just didn't want to slow up the process. And literally right. when I signed all the books within less than a week, they had, 600 packages totally made and they were shipping out the following Monday. Uh, and so that kind of fulfillment allowed our campaign to the next campaign to launch for blood and bullets where we already had happy customers who had previously supported and they knew they were either already arriving or their products were in the mail rather than saying, Hey bro, I, I supported your last campaign and here three months later, you're doing another one. And I don't have my product. So I'm trying to fulfill and then relaunch and then fulfill and then relaunch and fulfill and relaunch. Right. Yeah. That, that, that's a, that's a common thing. I see a lot of independent creators uh, do. Um, I'm kind of half and half on it. I mean, if you're, if your production output happens to be like you start a new one before you back, before you fulfill the last one, then that's, if it's just one of those things where like I've seen creators come in, do a Kickstarter and like, promote their next book two weeks in before they're funded and close that one. And then they don't even get their stuff until after the next one ends. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's just asking a little too much from the audience. Cause you know, right. got to respect their dollar as much as you do, you know, their purchase. Exactly. I just think you stand a greater chance. And that doesn't mean in the future, say I want to have four or five projects come out in a year and you have a great track record of fulfilling for your backers and they have absolute trust even if they know you're three weeks out from shipping their swag and you yeah. launch a new one, they're probably, they, you know, if they like what you do and you're giving them a quality product, they're probably going to support you. Oh yeah. You know? uh, more, more than likely, uh, especially if they get it and, and it's a positive review, of course. Um, I've heard nothing but nice things from blood and bullets one. 
um, from the packages that everybody received, um, hearing all the good things from Kev. Um, yeah, but especially absolutely. when they receive it and they open it and it's like, oh, this is amazing. And, and of course, they're going to come back because they, they not only like the way you shipped it, but they also got it. And so now, you know, the second one starts and they're like, oh, it's cool. I got this so fast or on time. Right. Like never, you know, sorry, we couldn't do this early. It'd be different if it was like a supply issue. Like right now, there's a big thing with paper. Um, oh, my and, God. Well, and there's, then, I mean, in just even overseas printing and shipping. So there was oh, yeah. a, a fantasy art book that I supported from one of my favorite artists. And, you know, the poor guy's going on like two years and hasn't been able to fulfill you oh. know, anything. And I just, you know, oh, I feel bad for him. But, you know, part of me wants to go, hey, I, I know you're because he had like a hundred thousand dollar plus Kickstarter. And part of me just wants to go, you should have just bit the bullet and found yourself a great printer in the U.S., and I don't care if you, you know, it's 10 grand less in your pocket. Right. You could have gotten that thing printed and fulfilled and shipped locally and not worried about a slow boat from China. I'm sorry, but that's true. And, you know, he hasn't even been able to print yet. Uh, and I realize it's a big art book, but man, I'd have just gone to, you know, Perfection Press or, you know, a big print house here in the U.S. and just got it done. Yeah. Because you know? I, I don't know. It's kind of embarrassing. You're like, yo, man. <laughs> you're two Dude, years yeah. overdue and i'm still waiting on uh i'm still waiting on a graphic novel that i bought into in the summertime and i, th I think it's just their marketing trail I, it's probably sitting at my mom's house but uh butts and seats which is like a biography from um from uh wcw uh announcer okay. and, uh, i haven't seen it yet but it's like in august we're in like almost the end of december and i'm like i have yet i'm just like you said it was coming out in november and he probably was it's probably sitting in my mom's house because she keeps telling me i got packages but once you hit that like four month six month marker yeah you should just like eat the crow and make right. the people happy first and then yep. and then worry about your next project because if nobody shows up because you didn't fulfill your last book for your next project well that's kind of on you buddy <laughs> that's, that's yeah i've had a couple of projects Mostly, I think there was two projects, both on Indiegogo, that never, never even produced the product. Right. You know, one of them was a, a pair of glasses that was supposed to have Bluetooth connected technology in the camera. So mm -hmm. you'd wear the glasses so that everywhere you look. So in my case, I would be drawing rather than wearing a camera or a camera overhead. And then it was supposed to live stream to Facebook. So oh, that cool. as you, you know, it's just a lot better viewing if you... If you move your hand over and you're like, oh, and I'm grabbing a marker and I'm doing this, you know, it's moving with you. And uh, yeah, that was like two years ago and they, they never even made it to the production phase. And I'm like, you bastards got all of our money. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Cause yeah, then you go money on the spot. Yeah, exactly. Uh, until, until they reach the goal. That's, that's one of the reasons why I don't use that platform. And, and if I do go to Indiegogo and I, I want to buy into something, I'm going to wait like, ebay style waiting like down to the like when it says it's funded then i'm like i'm in yeah, yeah <laughs> we at that did point a, i know i got a good chance of it coming <laughs> yeah we did a loco hero number one reissue on indiegogo and it did about five grand um and it allowed people who during covid who maybe weren't buying product you know comics and kickstarters people were worried about you know the sky falling yeah um and so uh, that was, you know, still nice. We still had some variant covers and, you know, we reprinted the book. And so, you know, we, we had about a hundred backers, maybe a few more. So it certainly wasn't epic by any means, but it did allow some of the collectors to get some other new product and, and that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, you're talking about branching out to your Indiegogo fans. Um, Cause a lot of people who use Indiegogo don't really go to Kickstarter because they don't like paying right. and having to wait and, um, and I and I understand this being an Xbox uh, gamer. When you pay for something on pre-order, um, the first time I did this is like uh, I pre-ordered something online as a digital product as a game, sixty bucks. I thought it, it took it out of my account. Then, well, when it came out four four months later, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't in a great financial spot, and it was one of those weeks where you're just like, you got twenty dollars for gas, and that's it. Well, guess what? I just pre-ordered that game and it came out and I was like, instead of getting $20 worth of gas at the pump, I got nothing because it overdrawn my account. And I was like, man, this is kind of crappy. I don't want to ever do this again. So I can understand that. So uh, reaching out to your Indiegogo fans, if, if you know that they're there, that's, 
that's a, that's a different animal altogether. Now going back to going back to the arc ending, you're just talking about the story. Are we gonna get like a Blackbird spinoff, man? Mm, that's not a bad idea. I mean, I really thought like, about I it, but I, I kind of like the idea. It was like I, I love the interaction between her and her dad, and how they have this like old man meister daughter relationship, where like he's you could tell he's totally non complacent about her decision, but he still right. loves her yep. and still wants her to go out and find her own way. And at the same time, you like she you see her torn between like choosing people who love her and that she loves and then the love of her people and what that represents and means to her. And I'm just like, there's so much good stuff here. <laughs> and she's just a badass. I mean, that, that knife comes out of nowhere. <laughs> and I was just like, Whoa, I was like, cause, cause you get that, you get that one. I don't want to give too much away, but even though it's the first issue, it's been out for a while, but like you see that, you know, weapons on the table when they leave at that first encounter. And then like, she, you know, uh, Bloody Mary finds herself in a precarious position and then she finds herself not in a precarious position because a knife comes out of nowhere and you just put two and two together. You're like, I knew it. She's got the knife <laughs> on and like, she's coming in here like a, a badass female Tonto. Like, <laughs> right. Get it, girl. <laughs> well, and, and, and that really is a little bit of a turning point as well for Mary who thinks, you know, oh, well, you know, you're going to go back to your people or, you know, she's not going to take right. care of the kids. And, you know, she's, you know, Mary's kind of a, a, a little bit of a snot, you know, to her when she comes to town and she's making, you know, quips about, you know, eating crow and, and, you know, who's making the food and, you know, all that kind of thing. And, you know, she's kind of on the white people side and then she gets her bacon saved by Blackbird and she's like, oh, you know what? I probably should eat a few of my words here. She's a pretty good partner to have. Right. And she kind of she she kind of start to see what you know her brother had saw in her this whole time. Exactly and because he died, that even made it more apparent that like maybe I should put on a, a different set of spectacles here and see what you know he was seeing. And then she was like, "Oh, you need to stay here with the kids, and you know they really need you now. Don't worry about the townsfolk; they're just a bunch of white haters." <laughs> It's not your fault you're not a Christian. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, you know, it does make her character kind of interesting because she's caught between two worlds and kind of feels like neither one really wants her there. Well, I mean, it's not that her family, where she is, neither wants her where she is. Her father wants her back. Right. And, and the you know, the white people in the town don't want her, you know, there at all. And, you know, and it's typical sentiment. I mean, it's not. You know, people are like, oh, that's so stereotypical. Mm -hmm. You're like, no, it's the way it would have been. Like, pay attention to your history. Oh, yeah. You Even know? far worse, man. I mean, this is yeah. kind of watered down because of the narrative and the way the comics are presented. Well, yeah. Of course, they the were. audience and stuff. I'm not saying it's bad writing. It's no, but I'm just but saying everybody like, was, was a more brutal. Yeah, he was even more brutal on a historical level for talking about like real life. Like, it was bad for them. Like, this, this was a real issue back in the day. Yeah. Um, and and it really didn't even I mean it, it came down to racism, but it was cool and and more religious segregated than anything else because of you know the attitude of of white expansion over the America during this period of time with the coming up of the railroad and the introduction the, the introduction of the federales, which would become known as the FBI, uh, which mm -hmm. was a huge driving force in lawmaking and law provisions on the East Coast side of the world while all this was happening like the West West. You're like a well-read guy. I'm, I'm uh, impressed. <laughs> thank you. I love history, man. I love, like, uh, Hell on Wheels was one of my favorite TV oh, shows. Oh, shit. Yeah. I, I did a really badass Hell on Wheels painting really? a couple of years back. And oh, man. It, it sold within, like, a week of me putting it up for sale at the Fine Art Show. And the, the entire painting hung off of a four-foot uh, railroad wrench. And then the frame was suspended from the wrench that they worked on the railroad with. Oh, nice. Yeah. And the frame was all rustic and it had, it was a painting of Cullen Bohannon. And um, uh, I, I don't know if there's, I don't think there's a picture of it on my website because I didn't get a good photo of it because it, it sold pretty quickly, but it was just a really, really neat painting. Man, that, that show was so awesome. It was, it was, I mean, it was kind of like this. It was everything you would expect in a Western, all the, all the different types of societal uh, stigmas and, yep. and without the female protagonist, cause you know, there was, there, there were rough outlaw types. 
females, you know, but, you know, mainly females in the Western world, they were kind of like, if you weren't a barkeep or a one or, or a wife, you were a whore. Right. Which, which this kind of, this is kind of an empowering role in the wild West for women, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, I still try to make my work still comic book, but I want it right. to be desirable and plausible. But, you know, if somebody's like, well, that's not realistic. It's, you know, why did the bullet like bounce off of this? You know, vampire, whatever you like, because I said I wanted it to like it's a, <laughs> it's a comic book, right? It's escapism. <laughs> right, right. right. But you know, at the same time, there's there's some truth to this. So because history uh, was was gatekeeped by a, a lot of uh, male interpreters, there's a lot of, of like history and stories that we don't know about. Like, yeah, where very much so people like Bloody Mary Masterson could have been a real deal and we just never heard of them. Like there could have been a female version of Jonah Hex out there. You don't know. <laughs> yep. You really don't. It's all it's all up to speculation. Yeah, uh, Josh looked up some history and the, one of the very last either stagecoach robberies or train robberies was actually perpetrated by a woman. Oh, nice. But, yeah. A femme fatale of the Wild West. That's that. Yes. Yeah, so we're like, ah, we might have to work her into like a future story because I like it when there's the, you know, historical characters and without giving too much away, you're going to see a little bit of that in Blood and Bullets number two. There's going to be somebody who's pretty famous who's going to show up. Oh, sweet. Because I haven't I haven't read that one yet. I, I haven't gotten that one yet. Uh, I, I got the PDF of, of number one and I've read it twice. I'm probably going to read it again before I read the second one. Because Yeah, there's there's no there's no uh, <laughs> PDF yet of number two. There's a there's about seven pages left to letter. All the art's been done for a couple of weeks uh, okay. and the letters uh, sends me a new page like every day. So wow. by the time the campaign ends. Um, I'll be doing editing and final stuff and then it'll be start being collated and ready to print. So I, I kind of I'll follow the Brian Polito model of, hey, I'm ready to print to go to print within two to four weeks, you know, of my campaign ending, as opposed to saying, please give me money so I can go hire artists <laughs> to make this story that I would like to see done. Right. And and you can do it both ways. Yep. Even one of the two, but if you want to be more professional. Well, it's yeah, well, it, I shouldn't yeah, it say is, quicker. Yeah, it is more or do it ahead of time if you can. Right. It seems quicker on the fulfillment end, but yeah. honestly, usually it takes six months to a year and a half, depending on how busy or how prolific your artists are. And I have right. some that turn in four or five pages at a whack and they're cranking it out and they're getting paid and they're making a good living at it. And then I've had a couple artists, you know, get fired because I said, in a year and a half, you've given me 15 pages. I'm getting a new art. Yeah. You know, like you had your shot. 15. You had your shot at the big leagues and, you know, getting published and getting more work and you blew it. So moving on. Yeah. You know? that's and I'm, not, I'm not the big leagues, but their work would be published. You know. That's deep cuts coming from you. Man. <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> uh, as a writer i could be like um so i got this deadline i'd like you to hit and uh can you do it and i oftentimes i get i'll try and i'm not an artist so i can't be like well i, I see where you're coming from all right well we'll talk again in two weeks right uh as i got a great artist right now but um well they're they're it's a few pages a few pages a week which isn't a bad pace at least he's how, how many a few pages a few pages oh, Oh, that's fine. That's a good. Yeah, piece, it's, it's consistent, but I'm just an impatient guy and I'm so excited for this first issue. I just like, I want five pages this way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, because I have so many projects going and I can only obviously release so much at a time. Sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll hire an artist and they'll be like, okay, I'm ready to take the script. And, you know, when does it need to be done by? And, you know, sometimes I go, I'd like to see, you know, I don't know, 10 pages a, a month or something like that. And then other times I'm like, it's, it won't be published for a year. So take your time. And if you need to work on other projects in the meantime, that's fine. Or if right. you just want to crank it out and I already have it like ready to go, that's fine too. You know, like I'm committed <laughs> that I will pay for what they turn into, right. you know, with what they turn in. So. I get pages and then like, cool, I'll hit you up Friday. And then I pay them. And the next week I get, you know, two more pages. and like, cool, I'll hit you up Friday. 
Yeah. Yes. Apparently, when I get paid, because if you don't speak that way, it's like, well, I, I need these first six pages, and then they might get slower because you're not paying. And I've heard that before, and so when I when I entered into this relationship with my now artist, I was like, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna make people feel that way. And I and I did tell him that I was like, if you got something else that's gonna make you more money, go ahead, just let me know. You know, yep. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be mad. Like if you get a DC cover shot, and don't just put my book down and go do that. Right. And then come to me because if you do that and it comes out before my book comes out, you're gonna make our book look great. Like, <laughs> oh, absolutely, yeah. And and I've also worked with artists and definitely seen them evolve and get better. Yeah. Through the course of my graphic novel and go, hey man, you're doing even, you know, like I hired you, you're good. I like the work, and you know, I'm loving this even more because they, you know, they hit their stride with the characters. And they know it, you know, they, they've lived it for a while. And so uh, they're, you know, they're, they're invested artistically. Right. And then, then, then that's the most important thing when you're talking about artists, because they got to be inspired and like what they're drawing. You don't want somebody who's like, I can do that, but it's just not something I love to do. Cause then you might get something a little less than what you'd hoped for going into it for the both of you. So like when I approached him, I was like, man, if this isn't your cup of tea, just let me know. Is I'd rather you be excited about what you're drawing versus, you know, I'm just doing this for money, which from an artist's perspective, isn't why people draw comics either. Right. Because no, being an artist passion, is a hard you... thing to master as it is. Like, <laughs> yeah, but, like you you be... but you want to make a living at it, you know. Right. But I mean, you wouldn't be where you are if you were just doing nothing but science fiction stuff, dreaming about you know drawing and painting westerns right like i really want to do this but like how much better would my sci-fis be if i just imagined that they were westerns well, screw it let's just do westerns and it's worked out pretty well for you yeah <laughs> uh including all the all the custom frames and stuff you make for those paintings man those are, those are absolutely amazing yeah it's it, I, and again I, it's kind of like doing the the stagecoach art i sort of stumbled into it and then it became successful and i'm like i'm gonna do more of this because i don't see other people doing it and it's really at, at the show i'm not at now which is called cowboy christmas which is part of the 10 10 days of the national finals rodeo that happens every year out here in vegas oh wow it's you know there's there's a lot of artists and there's you know, booths that are, have a million dollar setup of merchandise and you're competing with that, right? It's like being at Comic-Con, right? But, but for Western and there's, you know, artists with quarter million dollar bronzes and you're trying to compete with that as well. And so to have success out here, like I have with having the, the frames and stuff, like you mentioned, has been, you know, very sort of validating of, people saying, wow, you're the only one in this entire room that has this. And I love it so much. I must have it. And I'm like, okay, let's do that. <laughs> if that's how you feel, the price tags over there. And actually one of the, uh, <laughs> there's a, there's kind of a fun little art set that I have here. And actually Blackbird is actually one of the pieces of art on the set. And so the headshot oh. from the drawing that I did on the Blackbird rising cover Oh, yes. Is a headshot of her. And I took these, um, they're, they're the ends of columns made out of mushroom wood. They got chopped off. That were some uh, columns that we had put in our house. And I took these little end pieces and they kind of look like frames. And I put Blackbird and uh, Sacagawea piece that I had done and another. And I made this little Native American, you know, kind of girl set of portraits. And they just look super cool. And so it's kind of fun out here when I'm at the show and people are like, oh my God, this girl's beautiful. Who is that? And I'm like, that's Blackbird. She's <laughs> she's from my she's from my graphic novel that I write. And they look at me like, what? <laughs> you know, because they're cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Man, have you uh have you thought about have you thought about putting any of your graphic novels into like an Eisner or like a like a Howitzer Award contest? Man, I think this Western would kill. Uh, I certainly would like to. I kind of don't know too much about that world, like how that transpires or how you get either nominated or do you submit yourself? Because I'm new to being a writer uh, and I've never had something to submit before. So sure. I, I feel like I kind of need to learn more about that and when the deadlines are and how to, I mean, do you submit yourself or do you got to get your fans to do it? I don't, I don't really so know. <laughs> I, I would be honored. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm, Please I'm do. Up if, if you know how to do it. 
Yeah, I'm. I'm gonna get you some information. I'm gonna get you some. That'd be awesome. I'm, yeah, I'm gonna send it to you because, man, if they won't make a damn movie out of this, <laughs> <laughs> well, this, I think that ch- having a good graphic novel and something that people like you are so excited about, I think my chances are a thousandfold better than me just saying, "Hey, I'm a comic book artist and I have some screenplays." And sometimes people go, "Oh, comic book artist. Oh, screenplays. Yeah, we might give that a shot." But, you know, like I said, my goal is to be able to say, here's my PDF, here's, here's printed copies, and they, they're going to pay way more attention. And I've had a couple of meetings with some Hollywood people, and I've asked them their opinion, like, what do you think of my approach? And they said, I think you're really smart to, you know, <laughs> publish and have an IP because all the people that I'm competing with, you know, you and I thousands of other writers around the world, right. if not tens of thousands, all want to have our stories turned into, you know, movies. And right now we're in this golden age of street streaming and everybody's clamoring for content. And so, you know, I kind of want to be over here on the side going, I've got content. I've got content. Look at my comics. <laughs> right. You know, <laughs> absolutely, man. That's I'm kind of going the animation route as far as film goes. Cause I feel like there's, um, there's more of a mainstream uh, audience there and things can be faster when you go through animation, if you store okay. it right. Um, especially since I'm a high concept thinker. So if you're talking about, you know, people doing a lot of stunts, then, you know, you get really involved in like getting stunts, uh, stunt coordinators. And then you, there's a whole plethora of expenses that come with that. And so what you think is going to be a $10,000 short film or or a ten thousand you know dollar film that you can you know, like shoot here. It's it's not like you know a thousand dollar clerk's film, but like you you, you got to bring on specialists and you got to worry about safety and then there's like health waivers and you're just like ah so I'm just gonna do this all animation because right. I'd, I'd rather someone perform a stunt and not get hurt <laughs> in the world of digital animation than you know do it in real life. Um, that's where my that's where that's where I'd like to go for the moment being because when it comes to like live action type film, I just don't know what to write about because the, the like you said, the market the market is so saturated with content. It's like even if you had an idea to do something, you have to go do your research and make sure somebody hasn't already done that. <laughs> I mean, um, but westerns are still a big thing, man. I mean, Idris Ilba just had a western come out. I mean, I think Who my. Did? Idris Elba. Uh, I think oh it, yeah, yeah. I haven't directed, seen it yet. But... Yeah, I think it was directed by, uh, or maybe he was part of the the production, whatever. Um, yeah. But uh, Kevin was telling me about one with uh, Cumberbatch on Netflix, and I was like, really? He did a western? Uh, yeah, like... I just I saw in the newest issue of Cowboys and Indians magazine they were rating some of the projects out there, and they mentioned the one with Cumberbatch in it, and I'd never heard of it. Uh, and they also mentioned the other one that, that was the Elba project. And so it, it's nice to see Westerns getting a little more props and, and Yellowstone being as successful it is, is, is a big reason why, you know, sort of cowboys are cool at the moment. Yeah, which is odd with all the, you know, cancel, cancel culture and stuff going on and people yeah. are on yep. sex. This is like cool people still like cowboys it's <laughs> right well we're america so there'll, there'll always be a special place in the heart but you know it's got to be a special project there's there's plenty of b and c level films on streaming that are like have a third tier you know actor that's you know in a cowboy role and you're like oh yeah i kind of recognize that actor oh he's playing billy the kid uh, shocker you know yeah, I was I was casting people in my head when I was reading the first issue earlier. I'm like, yeah, I think I think Thunderbird would be or Blackbird would be great as Rosario Dawson, or maybe she would make a a good bloody uh, Mary Mar- Masterson. Yeah, I'll, I, I could see that. She's got some sass. Oh, oh man, and she's like super awesome when it comes to action movies. She could pull yeah. off stunts herself. I know she could. If you ever seen her in the the Frank Miller uh, Netflix uh, Daredevil? Oh, oh God, yeah. And yeah. especially no, I've, I've seen most of her films actually I saw her in a film last night she was actually in Eagle Eye oh really I didn't know yeah one the Eagle Eye movie that was with um oh the guy who played young Indiana Jones kid oh, okay um uh Elijah Elijah Wood no no the the guy <laughs> the guy from Transformers yeah, is it Elijah Wood? No, Elijah something. Elijah. No, he has a silly name. 
Shia LaBeouf. Oh, that's what it is. I was, yeah. I was thinking Frodo from Lord of the Rings. Uh, <laughs> I'm fired. I just <laughs> pop just now. Um, <laughs> oh man. But yeah, man, that's that's so cool. Um I can't wait for, for Blood and Bullets too, man. And I can't wait for any spin-off that comes off of that. If you ever want to throw back and forth on Blackbird, man, I got some ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm stuff. enthusiastic about the spinoff, I'm already kind of thinking about that. I, unfortunately, <laughs> I got to write it all myself, so I own it all. <laughs> oh, like quote out there for me is in the in the in the um, in the uh, what do they call that section right before the the drawing the brain farts. You know? The credits, the special thanks. Or yeah, the special things like special well, things. Maybe we'll have maybe we'll have to make a a, a character of uh, your name appear in the book. Yes, I would. <laughs> I'd buy into that tier. I just bought into another tier on Pistol Fist. I'm going to be a colonial. Oh, right on. Yeah, that's going to be awesome, man. I'm going to build my acting career in comics before I go in the live screen first. Because <laughs> <There laughs> <you laughs> I've been I've been really on this kick. I'm like I think people who have because ever since ever since um ever since what's his face. Uh, in the Berserk comic, uh, Keanu Reeves did that. I'm like, I I bet he got a credit for that in IMDb. I'm like, people who do this, and I've I've at, at one of the comic cons that I went to here in uh, in Missouri, I met uh, I met one of uh, one of the actors, uh, an a an actor, and he did a comic book. I'm like, oh, I wonder if people are doing this for like credits and stuff. I was like, I'm gonna build an acting career in comic books. Like, people are gonna know who my <laughs> <is>. <laughs> like, let's do it. So man, that'd be that'd be awesome. I'd be honored, man. That's that's cool. <laughs> that's cool as crap. But uh, it's 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 been a it's been an awesome time, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, we're oh, up, I appreciate it. It's been we're coming a up an hour. I know you. I know you're tired. You've had a busy week. I don't hold you up to. I'm super humbled by you being on the show. Oh, uh, thank Blood, you. Bloods too, ladies and gentlemen, on Kickstarter now until what the nineteenth, I believe. Uh, I think it might be the seventeenth. We have like eight nine days left. Eight, nine days left to get your blood yeah. and bullets through. Lots of cool covers, lots of amazing art. Um, I believe there's a hardback version. Am I correct? Uh, no hardback yet. But then after this hardback. campaign's done, maybe we'll do uh, like a trade paperback omnibus, you know, special edition hardcover. Oh. Okay, I'm going to have to get that too. Stop stealing my money. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do it. It's my superpower. <laughs> no, wait, take it. Take it off. Uh, <laughs> my wife will let me do that you can have most of it though <laughs> okay, cool. but man blood and bullets too oh yep it ends on december 17th it won the projects we love from kickstarter you go to ink.pub slash bnb2 uh we got what nine eight days left uh more gun fights vampire bites in the old west brought to you by the award-winning maverick art studios by mr monty michael moore right here it all started with a new original character bloody mary masterson no, man, a gun for hire with a deadly reputation, a quick temper to make her a force to be reckoned with. B&B2 picks up where the first story leaves off with Mary and Blackbird returning to town after dispatching their enemies at the old fort. And it was an amazing gunfight, people. You got to get B&B1. You don't, I mean, you have to have it in Nordenstown number two, but I mean, the, the, the fight scene at the end, the guns, oh man, it was amazing. Blackbird. We do uh, we on the campaign. We do have uh, uh, not only a tier where people can get a previous, uh, you know, hard copy, but the um, uh, the digital uh, version of the book, which will be go to all backers, oh, will nice. include both one and two. Oh, there you go. There so, yeah, you're you're not missing out on the story. Sweets, you're so you're such a you're such a thoughtful guy. Thank you. Such a thoughtful guy. All this is really cool. It's all brought to you by the guys over at Inked Marketing. I'm one of those guys has the know-how to succeed on Kickstarter. As Monty Michael Moore knows, this shows by the number of hand-picked campaigns, stamped project we love, like BNB2, by Kickstarter for their clientele, which consists of new creators, industry veterans, and publishers. Inked has been the marketing arms of over 50 Kickstarter campaigns, including comics, graphic novels, anthologies, card sets, tabletop games, RPG games, and short films. So think Inked and visit www.inked.marketing. View the gallery and contact them for a solutions guide, or you can just email me at comics underscore poptarts at yahoo.com, and I will go talk to Kevin on your behalf since we work together and you know i'm offering that really cool awesome deal which isn't really a deal i'm just offering help because we love comics like monty michael moore's 
Button Bullets 2 out now. Thank you so much, sir, for coming on to the show. Hope you come back soon, which, you know, is sooner than rather than later. Absolutely. My pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for all your time. Thanks for listening in again. I'm Limitless Mike, host of the Comics and Pop-Tarts podcast channel. It's been a blast. Always keep creating. Y'all have a great night.